Well, as we start the sermon today, I just want to remind everyone, as if you didn't remember this, though, next week is Easter weekend. Super excited for this, that on Good Friday, we have a separate service from what will be on Saturdays and Sundays, and uh, a very reflective time to worship Jesus with communion. And then I love that the whole world really takes notice of Easter, that we serve a risen Savior. And uh, I love that. It just it brings me joy when I see it on the news and everything. And uh, I, I want to remind you, uh, please work with us. Invite people to church. You have the invite cards. We want you to take these with you. Look for an opportunity. Give it away. Leave it somewhere. Invite someone and uh, be able to get them to church. Uh, if you don't have somebody visiting with you, love for you to help us out by going to off-peak service times. And uh, let's just have lots of grace, lots of grace for the crowds that will be here, the people that will be here, and welcome everybody. Let's be the friendliest church next week and every week, all right, but especially next week. And then um, as a reminder, uh, we give away the cash offering on Easter weekend. So just if you're not familiar with that, on Easter weekend, all of the cash that comes in the offering uh, goes to Convoy of Hope and anything designated to Convoy of Hope. So on our biggest attendance, we have that big day of offering. We uh, remember the poor, the hurting, the forgotten, and we bless Convoy of Hope with tens of thousands of dollars. So even if you're inviting somebody who's skeptical, they're going to watch us give away tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, it is a great weekend for somebody to be here. And of course, we're going to give a, an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus. So get people here. Host Easter if you need to. Do whatever it takes. So now today, um, I just want to uh, uh, preach a, a sermon that came out of my devotion time. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm looking at the Bible and I am looking for a sermon. Okay, I'm reading it and I'm like, I need a sermon. And many times though, I'm just reading the Bible just like you. And then God will give me a sermon out of my Bible time. And this is one of those ones that just came out of me reading my time, just like you. And if you're unfamiliar at River Valley, we do SOAP, Scripture Observation Application Prayer. And you can go to our website, click on the Bible. It'll take you to the daily devotions. And we assign a couple chapters a day. And so I was doing my reading just like you. And so I was reading there and... Um, when I got done with my reading, I have the virtue. I'm praying over our children. I'm getting ready to pray. And I started to pray. And as I was praying, I kind of was, I don't know, I just was, I was not all the way engaged. I was not all the way engaged. I was just kind of there, um, kind of, I don't want to say I was going through the motions, but it was felt a little bit like going through the motions. Um, I just, in my mind, I was, as I was praying to Jesus, I kind of had this historical thought very pleasant thought. He was, you know, like in the gospel, Jesus, you know, wearing sandals and, you know, thirsty and, you know, what I mean? that's the kind of the picture. And I'm just praying. And I, and I mean, I don't know what you pray. Okay. You know, so I, cause you know, sometimes I do that. And you know, some of you are like, Pastor Rob, you don't pray with fervency every time. Not always. All right. All right. Sometimes I even disagree with my wife. I know it's a shocker, you know, it's always my fault. Most of the time, most of the time. But, but I, I'm just, and, and I mean, I'm wondering, like, when you pray, when you pray, think with me, like, what is the picture of Jesus that you have when you pray? Some of you have baby Jesus in a manger Jesus. You're like, sweet baby Jesus. You know, some of you have that picture. Some of you have, you know, like me, gospel Jesus, and he's, you know, getting off the donkey or something. 
Some of you are praying and he's, you know, some of you are like, no, no, no. For me, he's on the cross. You're like, I got that picture. And if you know at River Valley, we don't have a crucifix. I mean, some churches do, but, you know, the cross is empty, okay? He's no longer on the cross. But some people are like, well, that's my picture. But our, the cross is empty and the tomb is empty, all right? But you're like, maybe that's your picture. Um, some people might have, um, you know, Book of Acts where Jesus is floating up into heaven and, you know, they're like staring up. And the angels are like, you're looking for him. He's coming back. I don't know what your picture is, okay? But for me that day, it was gospel Jesus. And I was, he was pleasant. It was nice. And I, and I wasn't fully there. I, I, there wasn't a lot of faith in my prayer. There wasn't a lot there. It was, it was kind of mailing it in. I'm just being honest with you, okay? And at that moment, as I'm doing that, all of a sudden I feel the Holy Spirit just rebuke me. Like, rebuke, like, get mad, like, at the way that I'm praying. And as I'm, as I'm praying and doing this, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just was speaking on behalf of Jesus. And he said, don't you dare past tense Jesus. Wow. And I was just like, I mean, it was one of those, how many, you know, it was one of those moments. It was like the Holy Spirit was coming down on me and using my middle name. You know what I'm saying? Like, Robert Ferdinand Ketterling. Don't you dare. You know, that's my middle name. You know, uh, you can name your kids that if you want. But, you know, don't you, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And it was just, it was that intensity where you know that you're in trouble and you know that you, you have not done what you're supposed to do. And, I, and, and immediately I was like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to pass tense. I was lazy. I, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And I could feel the intensity of don't you pass tense Jesus. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, turn to Revelation chapter 1 right now. And so I, I, as, I'm, as I'm feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit to turn to Revelation chapter 1, you, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, awake, I'm awake now. I'm awake. Like, I get it. And now I'm trying to, like, answer the question before it's even been asked, you know. And I'm like, I know, I know where we're going. We're going the God who was and is and is to come. I get it. He, he's Alpha and Omega. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, turn there and read it. Okay? And so I'm reading. Some of you are looking at uh, this campus. I don't know what you're going on at your campus. But these people are looking like, Pastor Rob, you get rebuked. I do. I'm just, the Holy Spirit will correct us. And I love that the Holy Spirit does that. I love that the Holy Spirit will correct me when I'm going off and, and, and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and the Bible talks about God disciplining his children, that he loves us, okay? So I was getting disciplined in that way and I'm trying to answer the question before I get there and I'm like, yeah, yeah, was and is and is to come. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, read Revelation 1.8. And so when I go and I read it, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And the, and the Holy Spirit just said, do you see that? God leads with who is. God leads with who is, not who was and is. And is. God is leading with who is. And when he's giving John the revelation of what's going on and what he wants to say to John, he is leading with is. And don't you dare past tense Jesus. Wow, in that moment, my prayer just went to another level. My prayer just went to another level because it was one of those things where, you know, I'm not going to past tense Jesus. And I, and I feel like we get so easily caught into past tense Jesus, historical Jesus, museum Jesus, Israel Jesus. You get the point? And we just, we just put him back there. And he's like, no, I'm not back there. I'm not back there. I gave you my word to show you what I did back there, but don't keep me there. Don't keep me there. I'm a current right now is God. 
And that's what I just felt so strong. And I want to challenge us to increase our intensity of Jesus being the right now God. Not past tensing him, not putting him back there, but leaning in to what Jesus leads with. And it's just, as I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a time in India where the people in India were more present tense on Jesus than I was. I'll explain to you. I led a global team to India, and uh, we're going to India. We're going to a small town of a million people that had never seen anyone from America. So we bring a whole team. We're quite the spectacle going through the town. And uh, as we're coming into the town on the global team, I I see a rickshaw go by us, one of those electric rickshaws, and it goes by, and I look, and, and my face is on the back of the rickshaw. And I was like, the team is pulling a joke on me or something, right? And then all of a sudden, as I was about to say, are you guys pulling a joke? Then I see a billboard, and my face is on the billboard. And I was like, is there something I should know about? You know? And they said, oh, yeah, you're, you're preaching for the next five days in the stadium. I said, I didn't get that memo in the email. I didn't, you know, didn't bring five sermons. I said, no, there's two sermons per night. It's ten sermons. Oh, I didn't bring ten. I brought none, you know. So anyways, I'm, I'm, during the day, I'm, I'm making my sermons, and then in the afternoon, we'd go out into the villages, and we'd invite people to the stadium. And so we're in this one village, and our team is there, and we go up to these people. We said, we want to invite you to the stadium so you can meet Jesus. And here's what they said. They go, well, where is he right now? We'll go meet him right now. We'd love to meet whoever this Jesus is. And in that moment, I'm like, I wasn't prepared for that answer. Like, they're like, where is he right now? And I'm kind of like in heaven. And, and it's just, I just wasn't ready. How many can identify, you know, you would not be prepared for that. And then, and then it was as if, again, the Lord is speaking to me like, he's more in the is moment than you are. And so I just want us to understand that Jesus is right now. It's some, he's doing something right now. He's paying attention to what's going on right now. He has something for you right now to do. He's involved in your daily life. He's not back there and he's not out there right now. Right now. And so I want us to step in as a church to that reality of not past tensing Jesus, but understanding what's going on in heaven and what's going on right now with us. Now, in Revelation um, chapter 1, two times, it says it, the God who is and the God who was and the God who is to come. Okay, so John, when he's writing in Revelation, in, in Revelation chapter 1, he changes the logical order. Okay, he changes the logical order in Revelation 1, and it, it's the God who is, was, is to come. Okay, and, and then if you fast forward, there's one more place in the Bible, Revelation 4, where it's the God who was and the God who is and the God who is to come. Now, in Revelation 4, it's actually the angelic beings that are singing praise to God. And, and just so you understand this, when John gets this revelation of heaven, it's not like a dream about heaven. It's a revelation of what's going on in heaven. 
What's going on in heaven? So John's getting this revelation of what's going on in heaven. And he sees this, that these angelic creatures, cherubim and seraphim, and these angelic creatures are singing praise to God and they're praising his name. And in Revelation chapter four, I'll read it. It says in verse eight, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. So the angelic beings and these, these creatures that are there are, are praising God in chronological order, and that's probably where we get it from. That's where I was gravitating to, was and is and is to come, because that just makes sense. It's in order, if that makes sense. But John uses something that, that writers of the Bible would do, mostly in the Hebrew, but when people were writing in the Greek and they would change the order, they were doing it for intensity on purpose. They were trying to move the important thing forward in there. And instead of having chronological order, was, is, is to come, John was like, don't you understand? The most important thing right now is Jesus is. He is. Like, don't put him back there. He is. And so John's giving us, using this technique to show us this of like, he is. And, it's, and then he uses something, which I don't have time to go into, but the way he writes it, even where he's saying the God who, who is and was and is to come. It's not like he's coming with a new and improved version. It's like the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, and, and he was there, and he's here, and he's, he is. Matter of fact, the name Yahweh, like it means the God who is present, and some would simply say the God who is. I mean, when they're trying to figure out who are you, God, and he's like, the God who is. I mean, he's right here, right now, present. He's not putting himself back there or on a shelf or in a museum. God help us if we do that. So I just, as John is giving us this intensity and this look, it's just, he's, uh, he's Jesus is in your now. He, even as he's coming, he's coming into your now. He's, it's, it's, a, it's a right now, real faith relationship with Jesus. And I think, really seriously, some of us just even now would need to repent and say, God, forgive me for putting you back there or limiting your power to back there or up there and, and forgetting that you are right now wanting to do something supernatural that's incredible in this present moment right now today. We just got to grab that. So as we read this whole uh, book of Revelation, it's, it's John's giving us this, this view of what Jesus is doing, what, what's going on and what's coming up ahead. And, and John's just a, really bringing to focus, Jesus is. And if, if I could tell you how I would love our church to pray, I'd love our church to pray. If you're gonna pick a book of the Bible to think about when you're praying, pick Revelation. Pick book 66. Out of the 66 books in the Bible, you have a, a, a book 66 picture of Jesus. You're like, well, you know, you say, I have a book 40 view, more of a Matthew view. No, we need book 66. Leaning in to who Jesus is, where he's at right now, what's going on, and what's happening. Because the picture that John has of Jesus is so incredible for us, and it, 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 would, it should elevate our faith. It should elevate our faith to understand when we're praying, we're praying to Jesus who is in a position of authority and power. Now, John in Revelation chapter one, 
The Bible says in Revelation 1, verse 17, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Isn't that interesting? I'm the living one. I was dead, or a better way to say, I was made dead, but didn't, I'm not dead, okay? And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. He's like, do you understand? I'm the living God. I'm living God. And, and for John, this is somebody that was so close to Jesus on earth. You know, John said, you know, I'm the one that he loved. You know, he's like, you know, the disciple that he loved. I'm, I'm the close. I was so close to him. At this moment, the one that was so close, he falls on his face before Jesus. Like, and it says, as a dead man, like there's something going on. And it, to explain this to you, when Jesus was on this earth, God closed the gap between mankind and him. The gap is gigantic. And when God sent his son Jesus, he closed the gap so that we could relate to him. So John was relating to Jesus that was gap closed, okay, right here with us. And all of a sudden, John gets to heaven and he sees gap back in place. Gap back in place. And, and, and so he <gasps> falls on his face before Jesus, okay? The power that must be there in Jesus in that moment the fact that Jesus would be like, I am the living one and I'm holding the keys and I'm seated at God the Father's right hand. Do you understand where I am? And you think about where is Jesus right now and what is he doing? This gives us a, a context of what's going on with Jesus right now. And right now, Jesus is reigning in power. He's reigning in power. You say, well, I've got mess all around me. Doesn't matter. He is reigning in power right now. Hebrews 10 talks about that. It talks about that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is reigning in power. The Bible talks about him being king of kings and lord of lords, and the reason he's seated is because it's finished. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's already paid the price on the cross. He's already come back from the dead, and he's seated on the... He's right there in power, reigning. That ought to cause you to raise your faith level. He's not wandering around like, where's Jesus? Somebody go find Jesus. We need a miracle. Find Jesus. He's like, you know where you could find me? You could find me at the right hand of God the Father, seated there with power and authority, and I have the keys to the enemies. I've got it right now. So elevate our thinking, Lord. He's, so that's where he is. And I love this picture. Again, I'm just like, I want to, every time I go to pray now, I want a picture of like book 66 Jesus. I want revelation Jesus. I want to lean into this. I want to understand what he's doing, where he is, but he's reigning in power. Another thing the Bible tells us, like what is Jesus doing in heaven? The Bible tells us that he's right now interceding for us and he's advocating for us right now. Right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding for you and I on our behalf. He's bringing things to the heavenly Father. And so when we pray, you might understand, at our, at our church, we pray this, Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We end our prayers with, in Jesus' name, we pray. We start our prayers with, Father, we come to you, and now we pray in Jesus' name, because Jesus is interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25, it says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. 
Romans 8.34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Right now, Jesus is interceding for you and he's bringing whatever you're bringing. How many know if he's interceding, we should pray more? Like he's interceding. He's interceding right now. And God's hearing our prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For thy is the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. He's ready. He's attentive. And Jesus is interceding right now. Another thing is he's advocating for us. The, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.24, For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So he's advocating on our behalf. And 1 John 2, 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's saying Jesus is your advocate. He's standing there. And whenever the devil brings an accusation against you for the things that you do wrong and the sins that you do, Jesus is like, I stand on their behalf. They've called upon my name to be saved. Covered. Covered covered. The enemy says guilty. Jesus says covered. I had somebody ask me, like, does Jesus have like a list of them that I guess to argue on my behalf? I said, no, I don't think he does. I think he just says covered, covered. And he's advocating when the devil brings up a charge, covered. He's, I mean, this is who we are serving. This is who we are loving. This is who we are praying to. This is the one that should elevate our life. And this is just an amazing picture of who Jesus is. Another thing, Jesus is working. Right now in heaven, the Bible tells us that he went to prepare a place for us. And I thought about this. I mean, I don't think he's actually swinging hammer and nails. I think he's working on behalf, whether he's delegating people to build, expand heaven as it's going. He's preparing a place for us, but there's something going on. He's paying attention to the very hairs on our head, and there's something that he's doing. He's preparing a place for us. That's what's going on right now. He's also shaping and forming us. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's forming in you character and godliness, and he's doing what he promised in you. He's going to complete it. Some of you wonder, like, I don't know if he's going to finish the job. He's going to finish the job. He's going to complete it in you. He's saving people. I thought about this, like if he's seated on the right hand of God the Father and he's reigning and everything is under him right now, what's holding him back? What's holding him back is the fact that he's desiring that people would find him as Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us in, in first, or 2 Peter 3.15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So he's saying bear in mind his patience means salvation. He's, being, he's waiting right now so people can come into salvation. That's what's going on right now. Additionally, he's waiting for the Father to say, time's up. Time's up. And he's just waiting because the Bible says no one knows the hour or the day. They don't know when it's going to happen, but there's going to come a day where God the Father is going to say, time's up. Jesus, go get the church. That's what's going on right now. These are things that are happening right now that are going on. And when I think about that, how should this change us? How should I live? Like, like, you're like, all right, Pastor Rob, you got rebuked, and I feel like you just gave it to us a little bit too. All right, it's the beauty of being a pastor, all right. I want us to elevate. I want us to elevate as a church. 
I, I, I just, I don't want us to, I, I'd rather have us say less words in prayer than pray half-hearted words. I'd rather have us like, you know, you get called on to pray and you're just like, I don't have anything to say first until I just get there. I got, I, I, I just, I, I want to make sure that when I'm talking, I realize I'm talking to Jesus right now. But how are we going to live differently? I think we should live with God in the present tense. If we're going to live somewhere, we're going to live with the God who is and the God who is to come. And even when it's written, it's like he's coming into your present. It's not like he's waiting. It's like he's coming into your present. It's all about is, okay? I want us to live with the he is and he's coming in. Like this is moving to us and we're moving towards it. And he's right here with it, if that makes sense. I want us to live more in the present tense. And I think about two people in my life that have challenged me. One was Mark Buntain. I did my internship with him in Calcutta, India. So I'm in college. I do my internship there. I'm in Calcutta, India. And I've never met anyone in my life that practiced the presence of Jesus like real, right now, Jesus. Like he was just praising Jesus and praying and talking to Jesus and everywhere he went. And it was like he had to stop talking to Jesus to talk to you. So how many know you didn't want to talk to him because he's talking to Jesus. And so you don't want to interrupt him and Jesus. You know, I mean, I'll never forget. We were on an elevator and we got on the elevator and I was like, hey, we're going to the fifth floor. And we, I pushed the button and then he shut his eyes because we were in the elevator. And then he's like, Jesus, you're amazing. I love you. And, and just whatever you want us to do today, Jesus, we're going to do that today. And so we're going to just whatever you just lead and guide. And then the doors open. I'm kind of like, excuse me, Jesus. Mark's got to get off on the fifth floor. You know, like, I just, I'm just, I'm, I mean, really. It was like, to him, Jesus, right now. And I thought, Lord, bring me up to that revelation. And then another man that was special needs, uh, we used to pick him up and bring him to church. His name was Gene years ago. And Gene was like, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, isn't he? He was like, is to come. He was never like, Jesus was a great guy in the Bible. Nope, nope. Gene just focused on, he's coming. He's coming back. And then he'd say this all the time. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> and then as soon as you just wait about 10 seconds, Jesus is coming. Jesus, ooh, hallelujah. So two people that made me think about Jesus in the present and Jesus coming to, you know, together from the feet right now. I think we should pray bigger. I think we should pray bigger. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father in a position of authority. That's what it means. I think we need to pray bigger prayers. Come on. I am tired, okay? I want you to be safe on your vacation, but Jesus wants you to pray for more than traveling mercies. I'm just saying, okay? I know we all get sick, but okay, pray for our cold, pray for this, pray. Come on. Let's start believing for bigger, more dangerous things. Like, Jesus, what do you want to do today? You're on the right hand of God the Father. We'll buy, you know, sniffle medicine for our sniffles, and we'll pray for bigger things. I'm just saying. We should pray bigger prayers. Pray prayers that scare us, that are nothing to Jesus, but they scare us. We should listen more. We should listen more. We should have time where we're listening to the Holy Spirit, not just to rebuke us, but to love us and to guide us and to lead us. I love with that Easter video that we have where the guy's like, I was driving on the road and the Holy Spirit prompted me to turn into River Valley. If, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to people that don't even know Jesus to turn in, like, what is he speaking to us right now? And we should be listening more. And, and yes, Jesus does speak. Close circuit to the ladies on The View. Jesus does speak and we hear him. 
Joy Bihar, we hear him, all right. Another thing, we should believe for more. Let's believe for more. Let's believe for more. Believe for more. He's not limited. He's in power. He's in authority. Let's believe for more. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit. Let's function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You ought to be signing up for Holy Spirit retreat, praying and earnestly desiring the greater gifts, praying, God, can you lead and guide me and use me? And what do you want to do with me? Just empower me by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's how you're moving today, I want to be in the flow. I want to be in the flow of whatever you're doing. And then I would encourage you, we should live differently, that if we ever get lazy, if we ever get half-hearted, if we ever put Jesus in a historical context and not a right now context, may we close that Bible and go right to Revelation and start reading book 66. Say, Lord, speak to me again. Show me who you are right now in the reality of who you are in power and authority and greatness. May I not pray empty prayers and half-hearted prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. Let's pray with an aggressiveness. And just whenever needed, we go back to Revelation and we say, God, wake us up, shake us up, because we desire to be people serving the living Savior. That's who you said you are. That's who you are. You are the living Savior. And so here at all of our campuses, I want us to grab hold of that. A living Savior, a God that is, is alive forevermore, who is and was and is to come, but he is. That's what he leads with. That's what he's calling his church to. A church that lives with Jesus is will do amazing things. A church that lives with Jesus is will, will do miraculous things. A church that lives with Jesus is, I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. And that's the church I desire and see for River Valley. So God, I pray right now that we get a fresh look of who you are. The God who is is right now interceding on our behalf, right now calling for people to be saved, right now doing the miraculous, right now forming and shaping us into the men and women of God we need to be, the God who is. So God, I pray you'd wake us up. I pray you'd shake us up and I pray we'd live differently. We'd live differently because Jesus is alive. You are alive. So God, help us to live with Jesus is. In your name I pray, amen and amen.